This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. And again, thanks for joining us today. Well, it's been an incredibly volatile time for the American economy over the past few years. There's been a financial meltdown, a real estate bust, stubbornly high unemployment, a stock market crash. The list can go on and on. But the financial world has basically been salvaged. The stock market has rebounded. But a full economic recovery is still far off. And these are tough times for many in the communities that you all live in. But for some victims of personal injury who did not minimize risk, it's been disastrous. While others who made smart financial decisions were hardly affected. So today on Ringler Radio, we're going to be taking a look at how these rather crazy financial times have affected the unique investors of the structured settlement world. And helping me sort through this uh, rather hefty topic is my co-host, Bill Wakely, from Ringler's Philadelphia office. Bill has uh, 20 years of claim management, financial, and structured settlement experience, and he's also an adjunct faculty member in the finance department at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. So, uh, Bill, welcome back to Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for joining me today. And our special guest is another uh, financial wizard. Dr. Christopher Coyne is a certified financial planner as well as an associate professor of finance at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. And uh, we've had the pleasure of Dr. Coyne in the past on a previous show. So, uh, Chris, welcome back to Ringler Radio. Thanks, Larry. It's uh, always good to be here. And hi, Bill. Hey, hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Well, good. Uh, Bill, let's st- Bill, let's start with some uh, brief basics before we uh, bring Chris into the, uh, the discussion. Why are personal injury victims considered a unique investor class? Well, you know, Larry, um, it's interesting that, that we're talking about this because, as you know, we, we last had this discussion almost five years ago. And obviously, it was a different financial world out there, but a lot of things stay the still, same. And you still look the same, by the way. I do. Thank you. <laughs> and you look as good as ever, by the way. Thanks. So, you know, what we talk about here is personal injury victims that have suffered some kind of a catastrophic loss. Uh, mm-hmm. The injuries can be anything from paraplegia, quadriplegia to brain injury, trauma, you know, right down the line. And, and what, what we're talking about here is a one-time settlement. So you have a large sum of money that's being negotiated and ultimately paid out on this claim, and, and it's really the pot of money that is going to have to take care of these people for the rest of their lives. So these people that are in most times unsophisticated investors, not no, no question, you know, not unintelligent people, but unsophisticated investors that are not, um, you know, in tune with the marketplace on a day to day basis have an incredibly difficult decision to make, and they have to make it all at one time. So when we talk about unique investors, that's exactly what we're talking about, is these folks who have a one-time financial decision to make that they can't undo, 
that has to be made in a, in, in a, in a very stressful situation and, and under duress, essentially. Very well said, Bill. And uh, Chris, let's talk about the victims of these incidents and accidents that uh, cause them to come into uh, the structured settlement world. Are they ready most of the time to deal with the unique needs that they have and the substantial financial settlements that are coming their way? Probably not, uh, for a combination of reasons. Uh, You have a number of events that come together at that particular time. You have a situation where they are in a very serious accident, so there's bodily trauma and recovery and all that sort of thing. That's one. Then you have a situation where they can no longer work. It's like being forced into retirement they're still relatively young. I mean, they they could be anywhere from their 20s up through their late 50s. And so they they don't feel like an old retired person, but for all intents and purposes, that's what they are. So they have the psychological impact of of having to deal with self-worth issues that one usually gets from work and things like that, that they no longer have. And then on top of that, you have a situation where they are given this huge amount of money for them. I mean, however you define that, it's more money than they've seen in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they have to make a decision about what to do with that. So they're faced with three, at least three, uh, specific events with which they have no experience whatsoever that they're going to have to deal with for the first time at a very bad time. They're going to have to make decisions under circumstances that require them to make decisions with no background, no experience, nothing to help them along, no guidance necessarily, or, or certainly even if they have guidance, can they trust the guidance? Very challenging situation for anybody. Mm-hmm. No question. You know, that's a good point, Chris. And, and the you know, when we talk about, you know, what this a large amount of money is supposed to do for these claimants and, and these injured parties, you know, we have to talk about two things. One is, you know, when they look at this large sum of money are, and what they want to do with it and how they want to invest it, is it more the, the possibility of or the, or the concept of preservation of capital or is it accumulation of wealth? I mean, when we talk about lottery winners and people that, that gain inheritances and things like that, that's a different story because those people now have sudden wealth, but it's it's not needed for any other purpose. In other words, they have a, a, a large sum of money that's put on their doorstep and, and they want to accumulate wealth or they want to make that wealth grow into something else. Personal injury victims are a little different because now you have a large sum of money that is earmarked for something specific, meaning it has to take care of these folks and their medical needs and their lost wage needs for the rest of their lives. So, you know, the whole concept of preservation of capital versus accumulation of wealth comes into play here, I would imagine, right? Absolutely. That's really what you have. I mean, people spend their lives up to retirement accumulating wealth. That's the mindset. That's the approach. That's that's what people do in that time of their lives. So here you have people in the time that they are supposed to be accumulating wealth and suddenly they have to alter that mindset and become someone who, instead of being, let's just say for the sake of argument, 30 years old, has got to have the mentality of someone who is 70 years old. 
And that's a very, very difficult thing to do. You know, they're, they're not out there trying to make money, make money, make money. Their ability to do that is rather limited unless they want to play the market. And that's literally what they're doing. They might as well go to Atlantic City. But they have to look at it from the perspective of how can I husband this money? How can I manage this money to ensure that I will have what I need to take care of me, to take care of my family, for whatever remains of my life, because I can't go to Walmart. I can't go to McDonald's. Right. I can't find that, that job that's going to supplement my income because this settlement is basically telling me that I'm done from that part of the world now. No question. But, you know, you've mentioned before how investing is sometimes, you call it a house of cards. Uh, what did you mean by that, and how does it relate to these unique investors? Well, with any kind of investment approach, and, and fundamentally you're talking about valuing assets, that's based on a whole bunch of assumptions. It's based on the the risk of the asset. It's based on a discount rate. It's based on looking at how the company is going to do over time, expecting it to do well over time. I don't know about you guys, but I can't even tell you what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. <laughs> I, I don't see how anybody could make an assessment about a, what, a, what a company is going to be doing five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. It's virtually impossible. So if, if you're using the standard valuation models, which is all that there is, and you're wrong about the assumptions, what happens to your value? We, we don't know the kinds of events that are going to occur for whatever reason, so many people didn't believe that there was a real estate bubble. Right. I mean, if that's what they wanted to believe, okay. But how could you not believe that? How could you not believe that interest rates were going to go up? People choose not to do that. It's a fundamental assumption that has very, very serious consequences. And that's what we have with these situations. You know, well, the market's done this, so it's going to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. well, we know that's not true. Well, one of the things you find, Chris, that uh, especially among financial planner types, that uh, when they sit down with uh, the investor or the injured individual uh, to show them something other than a structured settlement, they typically use assumptions of interest rates moving forward. Absolutely. And, and they have you know, big returns, maybe better returns than the structure is yep. showing, uh, certainly not guaranteed type returns, and you can't get them to sign a guarantee uh, uh, letter of, uh, uh, that it'll never change. But what do these investors do when they see these more significant-looking returns with these assumptions set out uh, compared to, let's say, the more modest guaranteed return of, let's say, the fixed income uh, structured settlement? H how have you found they, they basically deal with that, that difference? You know, people are going to respond in the way that one would expect, which is, why should I do this and only have this? I don't care that I'm going to get it the rest of my life because mm -hmm. I'm not really thinking about the rest of my life. I'm thinking about winning. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about doing better. I'm thinking about accumulating. You know, so if I take this, I'm going to have to drive a Corolla. But if I get these returns, I can drive a Lexus. Mm -hmm. not, a, not really a hard decision to make at that point. Well, what I find, Bill, is uh, the way structured settlements deal with this volatility. What's your opinion about how structures deal with the volatility of the marketplace and, uh, and how it all works when you're dealing with clients? Well, you, you know, I think from my perspective, Larry, it, it, it kind of comes down to risk. And, and in any portfolio, and, and Chris will confirm this, when, when somebody puts together a portfolio, you're not going to take a portfolio and put everything in, you know, 
18% returning junk bonds. You're just not going to do it. It's the same as going to Vegas and putting everything on red. You're not going to do it. So every portfolio approach that you're going to talk to with a financial advisor or a financial manager says you got to diversify your portfolio. So the way I look at structured settlements is, do, do they take the volatility out of the marketplace? Yes, in a way, because what they do is they, they lock up that fixed income security portion of your portfolio, and they say, so okay. Let me just, I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to jump all over you there. It's not that they take it out of the market, but they take it out of your life. That's true. Which is, <laughs> is really the more significant point. That's true. It's not that they're saying the volatility is not going to go on. It is. But you're not going to have to deal with it. Well, that's, that's so true. And uh, what Bill was mentioning about the fixed income portion, I, I often draw the typical pie chart and uh, put that big wedge of pie in there and, and say, this fixed income piece of your portfolio, that's what the structured settlement annuity is all about. It, it matches what should be in anyone's portfolio, but it provides you the ability to get that tax-free, which is even better than, than you could get on your own yeah. uh, in a situation where you, you weren't subject to these injuries that, you, that you're, you know, you're, you're suffering from. So, Chris, how about the financial advisors that are out there? Do they, do they really understand the structured settlement product to as they speak to their clients oftentimes we find them uh, somewhat ignorant about it what, what's your what's your take on that i i would have to agree you know unless you know, the point is how many times do any of us as a cfp now how many times do any of us have a situation we're going to deal with that product so it's it, there's probably a learning curve and when we get money again we as cfps your inclination is to do what you do, which is to invest, to do this and to do that. So there's tremendous amount of inertia in terms of the typical response and the the way you normally go about what you do. And and again, you're looking at somebody across the table, your client who looks young, might look healthy, and it's really hard to make the recognition that this is a very very different situation. Well. And I think one of the roles that a financial planner needs to perform is as kind of the Jiminy Cricket, you know, in Pinocchio, where the financial planner is that outside discipline can say, you know, you can't spend this money because you have no way to really get the money back. You have to be really disciplined because of your particular circumstances. You know, I'm sorry to have to keep throwing water on this, but we have to bear in mind all of the uncertainty in your life, which is why you don't need more uncertainty with regard to the market. So you, you're, you don't want to double up. And it's, it's hard, I think, for a combination of reasons for a, um, a financial planner to, to recognize that, plus the fact that, that from a financial planning perspective, annuities in general carry a bad connotation. You know, they're expensive and they're a lot of times their whole process is hidden. So they're not as transparent as, as probably people would like. So there's, there's kind of a built-in bias. But that's, but that's, I think, that's, I think, uh, Chris, one of the issues that we have to deal with all the time. A lot of times people, when they say annuities, they're thinking of a different type right. of annuity. Right. They're not, t- you know, where there's penalties for withdrawals right. and penalties right. for getting out and, and all of that. We need to have these financial advisors understand we're talking about single premium fixed annuities yep. that are there for the long haul, yep. never change. Yep. There is no such 
thing as a penalty for, yep. for uh, getting out because you can't get out. Well, uh, and that's you know what I'm saying, though, you, you know, Larry, that that I think the standard annuity, I'll use that term, right. is is what normally people think of, and it does have those problems. That's not what this issue, this this other investment is. That's not what this is about. And I, I think it's important for everybody to understand what this does. You know, I think it's important to create that transparency and to make it clear that everybody's really working for the client's best interest. No question about that. And Bill, when you're dealing with your with these claimants, uh, oftentimes I'm sure that there's a, there's a financial planner on the other side. Uh, and haven't you, I would assume that when you, when you come in contact with an individual planner, uh, sometimes you're educating them more than anything else. Well, you know, you're exactly right. And, and Chris and I have had this conversation before that, you know, too many times in our business, you know, you sit there and you think it's an adversarial relationship between us and a financial planner. And really it's not, or, or I should say it shouldn't be, right. you know, and they're complementary services in a lot of ways. I mean, if, you know, we're not going to be there after the settlement, we're going to put together a financial plan for the fixed income portfolio portion of the portfolio that's going to take care of their medical needs and their lost wages for whatever period of time is appropriate in that case. And then there's going to be a portion of the case that is cash, essentially, that should be managed by a financial advisor, other than the, the plaintiffs themselves. So, you know, to, to bring an education, an education mode into this discussion is absolutely appropriate because we can show the financial planner why this is a good product for this client. The financial planner can sit there and say, okay, that is a good portion of the portfolio to set aside. Now let me tell you what we can do with the rest of the money. You know, the one thing, Chris, though, about cash and giving, you know, the financial planner the, the ability to manage that for the client, it's the accessibility of that corpus to the, to the individual claimant as he goes through time. And what we have found is that even though returns are promised at a better rate, and it very well may be true, unless that corpus is sitting in that account, those interest rates don't even apply. I mean, those interest rates can't help that money grow. And what happens there is the individual goes in and starts dissipating the corpus. They spend it. They spend it on things that may be important, but it gets spent down to the point where the interest rates that, that would have been potentially better than the structure can't even operate because there's nothing there to operate on. Well, I, I know everybody's seen the uh, various commercials with it's my money, I want it now, and all that sort of thing. And I think that's the issue you're really addressing there. You know, I, I am, and I want you to talk about that and, and what what happens when you when you see those commercials on TV? What does it what does it do, do to your blood? <laughs> it kind of drives me nuts from a lot of different perspectives. But I, you know, I struggled with them for a long time. I, I never really understood the kind of why and wherefore to it's my money and I want it now until I sat back and thought about it. And and what do we have? You know, as I mentioned earlier, you have somebody who is suddenly retired. At 30, they're retired. Mm -hmm. And just like a retiree who thinks that retirement is vacation, this person kind of thinks that this is vacation. And what do you do on vacation? You spend money. You feel well enough to go out. It's not like, as a consequence of this, you can't go out of your house. You want to get out of your house. Where do you go? Maybe you go to the mall. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? You're going to spend money. So you 
it, it's a natural kind of process, I think, for people. And this, again, gets back to the point that I, I made earlier. I guess I didn't make it very well. Um, <laughs> that that somebody's got to impose some discipline there. I mean, it's it. we can understand how this happens. But the discipline is necessary so that that person doesn't dissipate the funds, that they're not in the J.G. Wentworth situation at whatever it happens to be. You know, it's it's not a situation of it's my money and I want it now because they're really taking on current consumption for future consumption, future stability, future safety. And since they've never been through that, they don't have that recognition. And it's it you can't tell them you'll regret this because they're not going to believe that. They have to go through it. And by that time, it's too late. So somebody really needs to be there and address this at the level where it is. You know, the worst thing you can do to somebody is give them logical reasons to solve a behavioral problem. And and that's what happens. For me to sit here and say, Larry, you can't take that money, because if you do, you're not going to have it tomorrow. Yeah, that'll work, right? Right. Well, you know, that's that's the whole rationale be, beside, behind a lot of these uh, state laws now that are trying to regulate better the the factoring industry and how that's all working and and having judges have to approve some of these transactions. But, you know, the real protection for most of these individuals starts right with the structured settlement, because for most people that aren't into the factoring of these these, uh, structured settlement annuities, these annuities provide some discipline because the monies come out in in a regular periodic basis. People tend to you know, structure their lives and their spending habits based on that because a lot of the cash people get up front gets spent fairly soon. So yep. thank goodness they have this, yep. this stream of income coming in the future. Uh, and I agree. That's what makes our job so so meaningful to us because we, we feel we're out there helping people, you know, salvage what's left of, uh, of their financial, at least their financial lives. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break right now and we'll come back in a minute with lots more from Chris Coyne and my co-host, Bill Wakely, both of them from Philadelphia, right here on Ringler Radio. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families at one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. 
Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year here on the Legal Talk Network. Once again, Ringler Associates is the nation's leader in the structured settlement industry since 1975. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, along with my Ringler colleague and co-host, Bill Wakeley from Philadelphia, and Dr. Christopher Coyne from St. Joseph's University, also in Philadelphia. And we're discussing the unique needs of personal injury victims during tough economic times. And Chris, when you think about the last decade and all this recent economic meltdown, has it made investors more cautious or... uh, What's been going on? Have they been hiding in the bush, or, or have they really been out there investing still, but with a different mindset? This has been um, quite a, a um, fascinating period of time because the basic mindset of investors, I would say, from probably age 40 and down, is fundamentally different from the people, say, 40 and above, who grew up maybe in the 90s, where whatever you did in the stock market, it worked. The people today have a very, very different attitude as a consequence of what's happened. I mean, look at what the market did. Two different times over the decade, it wasn't even a full decade, but two different times, the market lost in total 40% of its value Mm -hmm. within a 10-year period. And that is phenomenal. I'm not even sure that that happened in the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. So you have a situation where people really don't trust the stock market. And they're going to be looking at a whole different set of investment options and investment opportunities. And they're going to be looking much more for security and safety than, not that the other people weren't, they just didn't realize how volatile or what volatility really meant. You know, this is what volatility is all about. And that has to have a very, very dramatic impact on people's attitude toward the whole process. Well, Chris, you know, having said that, to, to kind of sum all these ideas up, you know, we we talked at the outset that we, you know, had this discussion, the three of us, five years ago, um, essentially in the same terms. Do you think the advice that we've that we talked about then, as well as today, with the the whole preservation of capital concept, has that held up considering that roller coaster ride we've experienced the last? couple years? I think if anything, that's reinforced that whole issue. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. If, if anything is going to convince you of the effects of volatility, of how easy it is to lose the wealth you've accumulated, how easy it is to be on the, the wrong side of accumulation, and why preservation, as long as you got it, it's good to keep it. And And if that if this past decade hasn't made that point, I don't know what would. You know, what's very interesting is, as we try to wrap this up is I'm asked all the time, uh, how's business? Uh, and with a down economic climate, people are, are pretty quick to draw the conclusion that it may not be that good. But, you know, what I tell people all the time is this, that 
the alternatives for 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 investments when t- when times are when when rates are down aren't that aren't that good either so yeah. I, we have we have a and we have this preservation of capital concept with the structured settlement that when you can really talk to people and I use the term sell the concept because people need to learn more about it when they do they they and, and they they understand it uh, they can sense what, why it's a, an important thing for them to have in their financial portfolio. I, I will tell you, back in the 1980s, when I was doing this uh, as well, uh, I would try to talk some people into taking a fixed, tax-free structured settlement, paying 12 and 13 percent. Wow! And I would hear the following: Oh no, I've talked to my investment guy, and he says I can do better, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 therefore they they did cash. Uh, I talked to lawyers too in that period of time, trying to structure fees at those levels, and they knew better. Uh, it's amazing, no matter where the market's been, if the mindset is that you can somehow do better or beat the system, and, and you've been convinced of that, uh, you're going to go in that direction, and somewhere down the road you're going to be disappointed. I think those people, my experience has been, that have taken a substantial portion of their settlement in a structured settlement – uh, they're the folks that send me Christmas cards. Yeah, I agree. Well, listen, I want to thank you very much, Chris. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you uh, and talk some more about this fascinating subject, how would they do that? Uh, my email is ccoin at sju.edu, and uh, my phone number is uh, 610-660-1668. It's always a pleasure. I enjoy talking with you guys. I appreciate it, too. And let me just tell our guests that ccoin is C. C-O-Y-N-E. Yes, that's correct. Thank Terrific. You. And Bill, how about uh, you? How would someone get a hold of you? Same thing these days, Larry, email. It's uh, bwakeley, B-W-A-K-E-L-E-E, at ringlerassociates.com. Phone number 610-564-1734. Well, that's great. And uh, I want to remind all of our uh, listeners that you can download any of the uh, Ringler Radio shows on ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com. Uh, you can download it to your iPad, iPod. <laughs> you can walk around the park with your earphones in and listen to Chris Coyne and Bill Wakeley tell you all about preservation of capital. And uh, I do want to remind you all that Ringler Associates has a website that's been redesigned. It's snazzy. It's great. I encourage all of you to go and uh, check it out. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Bill and Chris, thank you for your help. Now the rest of you go out and have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio in its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners. Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.